podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week we bring you a new idea, however big and bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, appease, or remix education. Now here's your host and my dad, Ryan Scott. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Thank you so extremely much for pushing that play button tonight or this morning or wherever and whenever you are. Um, before I, before we got any further into this podcast, I just wanted to take a second and, and tell each and every one of you, thank you so incredibly much for taking the time out of your day or night or afternoon or whatever um, to devote some of that time, some of your time, because I know time is precious. Um, as a girl dad, as a dog dad, as a dad, um, as a guy that's got many, many hobbies, I know how precious time is. So I just want to tell you, thank you for taking 45 minutes out of your day um, to listen to me and my guest um, as we try to connect the visions of one with the passions of another. Um, I am so stinking excited to start this conversation tonight with a good friend of mine um, who I had the pleasure of meeting um, through the Teach Better Teams Mastermind chat um, which is this really cool chat that takes place on Tuesdays, um, both in the morning and at night, um, with a group of administrators from literally all around the world. Um, and we meet, and we discuss, and we lean on each other. And uh, this young lady was in that group several months ago, and uh, I could tell she is a world changer, and she's got some super big ideas. And so when I reached out to folks and I uh, was just like, hey, you got an idea? She was one of the first ones to tell me. And I was super excited with that idea that she has because I think it's an idea that we definitely need um, in this time of, of, of where we are at um, as a nation. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to my good friend. Her name is Maria Montroni Carize, and uh, she hails from Camden, New Jersey. Is that right? Well, near my district is in Camden County, New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, Maria is, um, believe it or not, she is a blogger. She has been blogging for Everyone Deserves to Learn since 2013. And um, she is also the, correct me if I'm wrong, Director of Instruction. Is that correct? Curriculum and instruction. Curriculum and instruction. So she knows her stuff. So whatever she has to say today, I would say um, is probably gospel because obviously she. <laughs> um, so Maria, um, thank you, thank you so much for being here tonight. Tell tell our listeners just a little bit about you. Um, you know, a little bit about who you are, maybe, um, and definitely how you got into education. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. It's a pleasure to hang out with you. Um, I started my career as a French teacher Ooh. in the middle school that I went to up in North Jersey. And I moved into teaching English as a second language um, about two years into my career. I got a master's in teaching English as a second language and I moved to a different district um, on the opposite end of the state, which is the district that I still work in. And I moved from being an English as a second language teacher there. Um, I also started our gifted and talented program. 
in the school. And this past summer, I was promoted to my position right now. And I am, I love it. I love every minute. And I'm so thankful to have been connected to so many amazing administrators through the Teach Better team. And I, I wouldn't be the leader I am without all of the people, you know, including Ryan that I've met. <laughs> I, I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, I, I, I was talking to Jeff uh, Springer the other day and uh, imposter syndrome is definitely reality. Um, and, and you know what, and maybe that's a little healthy, um, but yeah, when I start my weeks on Tuesday with that team, I'm always just blown away. Um, I'm never the smartest person in the room. Um, so it's really cool. Um, but I've got to tell you real quick, you are in Jersey and I'll be honest, I have never been farther East than, let's see, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, you got to come out here. Family up around there. I spent three weeks in Watertown, New York, um, as a dumb teenager, uh, <laughs> But I've never been to Jersey. I don't know much about Jersey. I hear there are some Jersey shores. Um, I know like like I've heard like the guys out in Jersey are all buff and tan and their names are Guido and Sal. <laughs> isn't, that how, isn't that what it's like out there? Oh, I think that's what the media would like it oh, to be. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Do you know um, Snooki? I'm sorry? Do you know Snooki? I do not know. I've never had the pleasure of making her acquaintance. Right, right. I don't know. <laughs> no, so that's, it's so cool. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some drawbacks to social media, but one of the, uh, the amazing things is that I am able to meet you and that we were able to meet and connect um, over some pretty shared values and shared ideas. So, you know, just awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, and also our love of it's a wonderful life. Hey, I think that's what I knew. I said, Ryan's a kindred spirit. Listen, yeah, it's a wonderful life and a glass of bourbon. Yes. It's Christmas Eve. Yes. That's my thing. And my, my wife knows, oh, it's Christmas Eve. While she wraps presents, I sit on the couch and watch it, It's a Wonderful Life and have a sip of bourbon. Or two. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> So uh, we're going to get us rolling so we can, you know, not go too far off in the left field. Um, but the first thing that I always like to do, especially uh, for our listeners that are in the education field, I just want to model that connections before content piece. Um, you and I definitely ascribe to that. And I would say uh, probably a lot of our listeners ascribe to that. But, but really, um, in my opinion, you should never, ever, ever dive into the content before you know you know, who you are with. Um, so I like to do this little thing, we call it the two for two. And so what I'm gonna do is ask you two super random questions, nothing to do about education. And then you are gonna throw two back at me. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, here we go. First one, especially for you, because I really wanna know this. What is your biggest pet peeve? <sighs> Oh my goodness. Okay. My biggest pet peeve is grammar mistakes that have been published in a restaurant menu or on a billboard or somewhere public. What wow. About, what about a presidential speech? 
Oh Lord, I can't even, I can't even get started. No, if, if you cannot care enough about your grammar to spell check, then I don't really want you cooking my steak. No. Mm -mm. You know, I can, yeah, I can absolutely get, get behind that. I actually just recently purchased Grammarly. Um, and if nobody has Grammarly, like it has saved my butt in countless times. It also does this really cool thing where it lets you know, like the feeling of your email. So like, I'm a really sarcastic guy and I think that's a good thing, but some people don't. Um, so it really lets me know, Ryan, you need to delete this because you sound like <laughs> Does it really say yeah. that? Yeah, it does. It tells oh. you, yeah, it does. It gives you the feet, like some feedback on the feeling of the, um, of your words, but yeah, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, next question. Now this is a spin off of one that a lot of people probably ask, but I take it a different way. So imagine you won the lottery, okay? Um, what is the very, 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 very first thing that you would do with that money? The very first thing? Don't I would- First thing. First thing, I would pay my parents back for college. Oh, altruistic. Mm. And, and then I have a, week, a whole lot of other plans, but that's the very first thing I would do. Well, and if it's anything like my student loan payments, so say you won like $500,000 and then you paid off your student loans, you'd have like $2 left. Yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Luckily, I went to an in-state school and, um, you know, and, and I went to college, you know, I started, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. So I think prices have risen nearly exponentially since then, especially for this in-state school. But um, who knows? I, I don't even want to look at the tuition bill right now. Listen, I've got a senior um, and mm -hmm. she's looking at colleges and uh, yeah, yeah. She knows though um, that mommy and daddy are not helping her with college um, primarily because, you know, my wife has a master's. I have two masters. Um, eventually I'm getting my doctorate and I love my kids love them dearly, but I'm not going to go in debt for the rest of my life for them. Well, you have a lot of children too, right? Yeah, we have, we have a gaggle. We have, <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have four. So yes. Um, yeah. We tried for a boy and that never happened. Oh, right. well, you got, you have dogs. I do. I do. Two, do two male dogs at that. Mm -hmm. A mastiff. So I got the biggest testosterone dog that I could find. <laughs> yeah. and now I've got an Australian shepherd he's just my little dude it'll be oh. it'll be good and athletic too yes he's going to be my hiking buddy he's going to mm -hmm. he's the one that's going to do the the Appalachian Trail with me nice yeah all right so what kind of questions you got for me okay first one's an easy one beach or mountains oh okay can I ask any clarifying questions uh, sh sure. Is it me by myself or with my family? Oh, I guess you could choose. Like, what is your ideal place to go and, and stay? <laughs> okay. Um, so, honey, um, if my wife is listening to this, I love you. Um, but my ideal would be without my family, um, in the mountains, um, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, my buddy and I have made it a goal to hike the whole trail um, in sections and we had made plans to start it and then COVID happened. 
Um, but I would love, 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 love to take six months, eight months and just start down in Georgia and go all the way up to Maine, just me and my dog and maybe take my banjo or something. And I would love it. That would be so, so stinking cool. That is such an admirable goal. I really, really like that. Yeah. Like, like it, that, and I would, I've always had a dream to ride a horse across the country, even though I don't own any horses. Um, <laughs> that's still, that'd still be kind of cool. Unless it was amazing. Really, so you're super outdoorsy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super indoorsy. Well, okay. Well, okay. In, indoor, okay. Indoorsy and joysy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. What else you got? Okay. Here we go. This, this is no debate. You can't quantify anything. Uh -oh. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Shoot. No. No, no. <laughs> okay. A a listen, a sandwich has two pieces of bread. Unequivocally, it is not. Now, I, I, I could argue um, when I was 18, I spent three weeks in Sweden and they had these like amazing gas station hot dogs that mm -hmm. were. So it was like, it was like a like a submarine sandwich that you shove the hot dog down in the middle of it and you would squirt like barbecue sauce in it so in that aspect because the bread was unbroken around the hot dog then I might call that a sandwich so it was like a corn dog but not fried well it was a corn dog but without the the top wasn't covered so the hot dog still stuck out interesting yeah I've never heard of that. It it does. I mean, it sounds yeah. disgusting, but you know, food in Europe at like rest stops and gas stations is is some of the best. Honestly, and the best food. Yes, yes. And people, you know, who haven't had the luxury of going to Europe, are like, "What are you talking about?" Because in in America, food from gas stations is like, you know, maybe let's not touch that. With yeah, I don't know. We have this place called the Dodge Store. And they serve up fried turkey legs the size of your arms. And I'm going to tell you, it is really, really good at about one in the morning. We don't have that in New Jersey. <laughs> well, we're missing out. You should come to Kentucky. <laughs> we certainly are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now that I know a little bit more about you and um, you haven't left the meeting yet, then I would assume <laughs> that you still want to keep talking. Um, so I'm super excited to know, well, I already know, but our listeners don't know. Talk to me about kind of what the problem is that kind of led to you having this big idea. Well, it is a multifaceted problem that really came to me after discussing um, recent events with teachers, especially in our like current political climate and, you know, climate of social justice and, and needs. The other part of it is that right now, today, um, our school is all still fully virtual. We'll be going back to school for the first time since um, March 2020 in a few weeks. So when it comes to teaching students history or current events, teachers were coming to me 
concerned about not only what to say, but how to say it, and then how to um, facilitate the conversation. Because it's one thing to deliver, but it's another thing to accept student feedback or student questions or misconceptions and then drive the conversation that we've had this entire school year. It's something I kind of set out to not fix because it's not really something you can fix, but it's something I set out to understand um, from you know their perspective to see how I could best help them. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, that is a problem. Um, we, I think, I think everybody listening would agree that it's nearly impossible to have conversations about, especially tough conversations these days um, because emotions are so charged. Um, and I think, especially in the educational realm, sometimes teachers are supposed to be so apolitical and so neutral that sometimes the, I don't know how to say this, sometimes the public jumps on teachers when maybe sometimes teachers are just trying to facilitate a conversation. Is that, is that kind mm -hmm. of where you're, where you're at? Yes, absolutely. And whether the conversation comes from the curriculum, for example, maybe it's a discussion about Christopher Columbus um, and his treatment of indigenous peoples. Maybe it's a conversation about the Underground Railroad that, you know, or, or even like the events that led to the Civil War. Or maybe it's a conversation about, you know, the insurrection at the Capitol, something that actually happened, people witnessed, students witnessed. Sure. It, all of those things are, you know, they're either prescribed to be taught or those are experiences that our kids have lived through and, and come in with questions about. Yeah, and it's, I think what I noticed is that my staff is, is so generous and so warm and they want to make the classroom a loving and welcoming environment, an equitable environment yeah. for kids, yeah. Yeah. but they weren't given because I don't think anybody's naturally given the talent of facilitating this conversation. So that's really the problem I'd like to kind of tease out is how do we equip our staff to feel comfortable facilitating conversation, tough conversations or conversations about hard history? Yeah, no, I, and I think, I think something that I would, that is something I would gladly learn. And I, I'm thinking of various teachers at my school right now um, there's one in particular, her name is Miss Clement. She's an amazing social studies teacher. She does our AP um, Gov and does several other AP of uh, the social studies departments. And, and I find myself in her room quite a bit. Um, the other day they were talking about manifest destiny and I just popped in and I was sitting around and, and uh, I said, you know, do you think everybody, what, what do you think everybody's opinion was of manifest destiny? You know, obviously for um, European settlers, um, at the time, they had a different view of that than, than say, the Native Americans or, say, the, um, the Blacks that were enslaved and, you know, all, so, like, there are all of these, you're, you're exactly right, like, history is not just a one viewpoint. Um, history is a collection of first-person accounts, mm -hmm. and we see it through whichever lens that textbook company or, you know, that resource decides to tell it. 
And I think it's really important what you're saying that as the teacher, we also need to facilitate different viewpoints so that we hopefully churn out a generation that is way better than we are um, at seeing things from a different view. Yes, absolutely. Um, I had an example most recently in my fourth grade, within my fourth grade team, they were coming up on um, a lesson that was in the social studies resource that we've purchased. And we had gone through the social studies resource, well, my predecessor did, and, and she vetted it and she looked through it and everything was factual. But the passage that was coming up was about slavery and its origins. It was geared, it was supposed to be for fourth grade. When I read the passage, my superintendent read the passage, we said, there is no way our fourth graders need to be exposed to this level of graphic violence that although factual, and I, I wanna like shout that from the rooftops, factual, yes, appropriate for, for nine-year-olds. Really, who am I to say, but erring on the side of caution, and we can debate that. It's a whole different podcast. We chose to not use that passage because the teacher was nervous, administration was nervous. We didn't want to start something that we didn't have the resources to finish. Right. So we went in another direction and I worked with the teachers. We actually had a parent come in and give her her perspective on um, what she thought would be good you know, for her child who was in the class. And the teacher decided to go with a picture book and she did a mentor text. She used Henry's Freedom Box with it, which is um, about a, an enslaved boy's escape through the Underground Railroad. Nice. And so she kept it factual, but she also made it grade level appropriate. Yeah. And that is, that's where, you know, that balance comes in, especially in the younger grades. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you know, these, these conversations need to be had, um, but I know I'm for one, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know, you know, to do it justice when these kids have these super tough questions, which we should be challenging them to ask. But if we are challenging them to ask, then we need to have a way to answer it. So give us your idea of how we actually can do that. I think there are two things that I've learned through experience. One of them is if you're reading something or um, inspecting, analyzing a primary source or even a secondary source, looking at a painting or a photograph from historical time, one super simple question to add to your bank of questions is whose voice is missing from this account? Huge. Voice has not been represented. And that question can work at all levels of learning from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade. The other thing, and a lot of people know about a KWL chart, know, want to know, learn. And for a lot of teachers, that's kind of the go-to like anticipatory set. You know, we're gonna start building background on something. We're gonna do a KWL because it makes sense. Why not? 
here's the problem with the KWL. If you go back to manifest destiny, like your example was, or my example with fourth grade and um, a slavery lesson, boxing things in terms of no means this is something that is in my brain, in, in my background knowledge that is not going to change. So I'd like to see it reframed and I'm not saying do it away with KWL, but let's consider doing something, a chart instead that has schema. What do we have in our background knowledge? The next thing we're going to do after we write down our schema, we write down what we think we know, is we're going to research it and we're going to dig deep. Following that, instead of the L part of the KWL, there's a part for misconceptions. What did we find out from that from our schema was actually not true. And then you can also have a new learning because that's what we're here to do. We're here to learn new facts. So you're taking what you thought you knew and you're dividing it into categories. True, it can stay in the true schema or we just move it to misconceptions. We know now, and you know, it's so popular that term, um, know better, do better. Yeah. We know now, we, we thought we knew something, but it turns out we were wrong. That's a misconception, no problem, move on. Now we know. So I'd really like to see in education, the schema and misconception chart used more than the KWL, even though it seems like it's a small shift in pedagogy, the impact it makes is it can be so widespread. Oh, my, I, I just, so I'm just, I'm blown away by that because it, you're, you're right. It is a simple, so it's a simple reef. So the semantics is changed. So instead of the K and the W, it's changed to an S and an M. But it completely changes the, I think, the psychology aspect behind the whole chart because KWL is a very rigid chart. You know, mm -hmm. like you said, if you know it, you're probably not very apt to unknow it. You know, it's yes. kind of hard to unknow something. But what you are saying, I think, what you're saying is you break that K down into um, what is actually true. What did I think was true, but actually came to not be true? And then what are some new things that I completely, that I never knew about? Exactly. Uh, because the things, the things we think we know are valid. We have those things. They exist in our background knowledge and our schema for a reason. We may have been exposed to things in TV, movies, literature that may not be factual. So let's just move it to the side, we can still honor that at some point in our brains, we, we knew that fact to be true. It doesn't make it untrue for us. I'm trying to pick my words right. It doesn't negate the importance of us having learned that at some point. Yeah, sure, sure. We can also move it to misconceptions. Right, right. Because um, I think sometimes, especially, you know, it's, we, we live in such a politically charged where facts are facts. And I can literally find one person on the far side of the earth to agree with me. And now all of a sudden it's a fact. And mm -hmm. so it's really hard for this 
how do I say it for people to change their mind? Like it's super hard for people to change their mind anymore. And what I like about yours is it starts out. It literally starts out with the perception that we're going to change our mind, mm-hmm. you know, and that with given the information that I learn, my mind is going to change. And that is the whole point. And there may still be things that remain true. Sure. There may be, you know, facets of information that we learn are factually research-based and true and historically accurate. And we can keep that in our schema. That's fine. So I I think this is super powerful. Um, And I could see something like this being used in social studies. Absolutely. Science. Absolutely. Definitely in ELA, um, reading literature, firsthand accounts, secondhand accounts of different stuff, but then also possibly, and I could see it in nonfiction or in fiction as well. Yeah. And I think even like to go so far as to talk about it in math, when you're looking at, you know, higher level things and orders of operations and, you know, what do we know about parentheses? What do they mean? And we have, might have a schema about parentheses or, you know, exponents or, you know, things that are cubed and, you know, things that are squared. What does that actually mean? Wow, man, I love that. So here, if there are any of my listeners out there um, that own a publishing company, um, maybe hear, you know, what Maria is talking about and you want to run with this because I could could absolutely see this as a resource um, that someone could purchase, put up on their smart board, you know, could use in their Google classroom, that kind of thing. Um, get a hold of Maria and let's get this happening. So Maria, let my listeners, let our listeners know kind of what is the best way for them to get a hold of you. Well, probably the best way is to email me through my um, blog and my blog address where you can go and actually read a post that I wrote very recently about this subject. Um, and I have a very basic jam board that I put out with a schema chart. Okay. Just, I mean, I whipped it up in three minutes one night. It's nothing fancy, but it, it does the job. Um, my blog is everyone deserves to learn.com. And you can email me at everyone deserves to learn at gmail.com. Oh. And I am happy to talk and debate and discuss and about anything education related because I may learn something too. I hope I do. You're an education nerd. I'm an education nerd. Let's, let's get together and let's talk education. I am. People don't like their staff. This is just a funny anecdote. The staff at my school gets such a kick out of the way I love checking lesson plans. I love reading them. I love writing comments about them. I love connecting something that someone is pre- in preschool is doing and saying, oh my gosh, you're doing life cycles in preschool? Hey, sixth grade is doing that too. Okay. And it, yes, it is the nerdiest thing and I love it. So cool. So cool. So Maria, I'm going to wind us down a little bit. Um, I want you to know, I love this idea. It's a simple idea, but it's a super profound idea that I think has implications. Um, you know, I remember learning the KWL chart in my teacher preparatory courses, and I'm not going to say I was super impressed with it. Um, might've used it a little bit, um, but something 
like you are you like you are saying schema misconceptions and learning totally revolutionary and, and i mean that and i don't and i'm not just whatever i mean it i mean it i love that so i hope um, somebody out there that is listening take this and run with it let us know what happens because um, there's got to be a drastic um, learning curve or well drastic change of your students learning um, when this is partaking so Maria I thank you so very much is there uh, anything else before we set off into the wild blue yonder I don't think so. I would like to hang out another time and talk about your time in Sweden. And yeah. also, um, what were you talking about when you your three weeks in Watertown, New York, when you yeah. were just hanging out? Yeah. I think we need a, a Ryan Scott like life story episode. Oh. Well, we'd have to really make sure not the right people heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say, um, I have, there's been quite an evolution of Ryan Scott over the years. And uh, there's a reason that I love the challenging kids. And there's a reason that I advocate um, for my students that everybody thinks are going to fail because that was me. Um, probably if life hadn't went the way that it had, I would, so there's not, I don't want to even think about where I would be. Um, Dev definitely would not be as blessed as I am. So. But um, God puts you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. And um, that's what happens. Well, I'm so glad you ended up here tonight hanging out with me. It's been so much fun uh, chatting with you. Thank you so much. And, you know, if I ever um, get tan enough and buff enough for the guys in New Jersey, um, <laughs> I will make my way out there. We can hang out on the Jersey Shore. We look forward forward to having you. I can't promise to introduce you to Snooki though. Oh, well, okay. What about Bruce Springsteen? Do you know him? Uh, not personally, no, but I know where he lives. Yep. Okay. We're going to climb that gate. I'm going to, I'm going to meet him. <laughs> Maria, thank you so very much for being with us tonight. Um, have a amazing rest of your night. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. <laughs>